Hey guys, welcome to the podcast edition of Sunset Moms. Happy Halloween. Today is October 31st, 2019. Today, our very own Sabrina Walters will be introducing her baby brother, John Berquist. I'm excited to introduce my brother, John Berquist, who has been a huge influence in my life. He is one of those men that has a pastoral heart, even though he's not a pastor. He is a, works with game design and um, human resources, and is kind of just an amazing connector of people. But he also has been the speaker for over 15 years at the Northwest Men's Boot Camp that is likened after John Eldridge's ministry in Colorado. Uh, with Wild at Heart. Anyway, my brother John is a man who I admire very, very much, and I hope you enjoy his talk today on hearing the voice of God. Thank you. First, I just want to thank you so much for welcoming me back. Uh, it was a real pleasure speaking last year, and and just getting that note that you wanted me to come back it was just really, really cool. I really appreciate that. Uh, thanks so much. Um, I, as I thought about this theme of flourishing, boy, first of all, when I think about this group, you guys, I, I, I never want to bring a heaviness of more to do because you guys have so much to do and you have so many responsibilities. And I know I, as I'm listening to the prayer request or just listening to conversations, uh, that sense of one more thing, it's just that it could crumble. And those stages of life and your stages of life with young ones, I just don't wanna do that to you. And I don't think that's the Father's heart either. Um, but how do we flourish? So I, I've been praying about this, I don't know when, Ada like asked me to speak, but quite a while. I've been praying about this a lot, and God keeps bringing this back up. And he's and I and as I prayed, I felt the Holy Spirit say, "But," I'm like, "Well, what is that?" But um, you don't want to layer more on, but you want them to flourish. So I started to think uh, about two months ago. I heard this podcast, and uh, the, the podcast uh, speaker was talking about the heaviness of our age and this age that we live in and how I guess we're our age if you were to sum it up you know certain ages in the world have a theme I think our age it used to be the age of busyness everybody was busy and that was about I would say 15 years ago and I think we still have some busyness but the new theme I think today is chaos we live in a world of chaos. Things are just, I mean, I try not to read the news on purpose. Uh, I still, because I speak and I, I try to stay relevant, I try to keep up on a little bit here and there, but if I, if I watch the news too long, my heart sinks because uh, news and media, one of my degrees is in pol uh, political science, and everybody knows that mayhem sells newspapers, um, TV time, all those things. And so I think reporters are in a place that they're 
having a heyday because there is so much bad news. And that's impacted our hearts, and I think it's a cycle. Um, Sabrina and I were talking about why, why is there such a heaviness? Um, you know, and I had this long list of statistics, and I don't even want to read them. I don't, because we all know how bad they are. Uh, no matter how, whether it's mental health or, um, I'll read one because I had this experience in the last two days. I'm not a bad driver, I promise. But in the last two days, <laughs> in the last two days, I experienced extreme road rage toward me to the point where I just, I had to get out because if I didn't, I, I'm sure I would have been harmed. And this one, I, I was shocked. Um, fatal car crashes linked to aggressive driving climbed nearly 500% in 10 years. And I'm like, okay, statistics, if, you, if you're a scientist, you're like, okay, because that, is that really true or is that maybe some indicator they were able to track those better? No. I mean, this is the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. And it rose 80 in 2006 to 467. These are fatalities linked to road rage. And I'm like, okay, it's not just me. This is happening all over the world. And that affects our hearts. Um, and, and that's just that one statistic, but this involves our families, and it involves uh, just the state of, of the world, wars increasing. And, and as I started to pray, like, okay, Lord, what does this group need to hear in regards to that? How do you flourish in a world gone wild? It doesn't seem like it, it's possible, but it is. And, and I started to think about that and I started to read through certain scriptures and I think the only way we do survive, the only way not just survive but flourish in a world gone mad is wholeheartedness. It's seeking out everything that Jesus promised us. And, and yes, sometimes that is layering another thing on top, but the thing is, is God has things for each of us. It's almost like going to the perfect doctor, which he is. He knows exactly what is wrong, and he knows exactly what is going to help. And it's not, you know, it's not uh, self-medication. It's not self-help books. It's not all these things that we think are appropriate for our hearts. It's exactly what the Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit knows us, like every hair in our head. He knows us exactly, and he knows exactly what's going to help. He also knows what's not going to help. And so I started to think about how does he, there's so much, I mean, <laughs> we just have to read the New Testament to figure out exactly what's a good prescription for our day. But as I started to look through, I landed on uh, Luke 12. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can follow along with me. And I was, uh, one of my prayer intercessors that prays for me every time I, I am able to talk to a group said are you going to read the whole thing I'm like I don't know maybe um, when I heard you guys were doing a podcast uh, I'm like ooh you're going to record this and put it on the web maybe I'll just read scripture I'm not going to talk about anything else but scripture that's safe right <laughs> so I, I summed this down and I thought okay this is if context Luke 12 Jesus had gone from speaking to one group and the Pharisees showed up and were trying to trick him. 
And the Pharisees of the day, if, if you don't know, it's uh, Pharisees of the religious uh, zealots that are, like they have their idea of what holiness is. And they're really pretenders because none of them can follow all that. Um, but Jesus was presenting something and he actually went after them on purpose. So he was antagonistic to this group. So they're trying to trip him up. And so he's going from one group and the next group in, in uh, Luke 12, he's speaking to a large group of people. It says in the very beginning that people were trampling each other trying to get into this gathering. And so this group, I thought, okay, who are these people that Jesus is speaking to? Because the, if you look at uh, Luke 12, it is such a good rundown of, I would say, what our world needs to hear today. Um, and so what were these people? Jesus, obviously God, so he knows his audience. A good speaker knows their audience. I've tried to get to know, you know young moms. Um, and understand maybe what you're struggling with, maybe what's up you're up against, um, you know what's on your heart, of your your kids, your family, and so Jesus, I tried to come down, and so if we look at at Luke 12, I wrote this down. This is a group that's, and I'm not saying this is you, but this is the world, um, and this was the people that Jesus was speaking to. One of those is they were confused. Uh, they were fearful. Um, they were wondering, who do I follow? All these voices. In Jesus' day, there were so many competing voices that were saying, follow me. There were many people saying that they were the Messiah. There were people that were, uh, the Roman Empire was saying, you have to follow us. There were so many voices, and so they were asking, who do we follow? Who do we listen to? Uh, Jesus addresses the whole idea of where your treasure is. And so like anybody, I think, whether it's money or children or family or business, like they were struggling with where do I put my time? Where do I put my resources? Uh, they were also up against great conflict. The Roman Empire was oppressing them. Um, there was power battles between different people at the time. And so they were under that conflict. They had strongholds like all of us do. Things that are keeping us from being wholehearted, keeping us from from thriving, from flourishing. Things that we maybe think, or at one time thought, this will help. Or, I just, don't, I just don't feel good, my life's falling apart, and so I'm gonna do this, or any, we don't think that, but maybe we try something, and that becomes a stronghold in our life. And so as I started to think about that, and I started to read Luke 12, I really liked, um, I would love what Jesus had to say. The very first part, and I'm not going to read this part, just I'll sum it up, and, um, and I, I put the heading of sincerity. Uh, Luke 12, the very beginning, 1 through 3, he's talking to the Pharisees directly, the people that he just was being accosted by as he's starting to talk to this group of people. And the Pharisees are posers. They are trying to be someone who they're not. Maybe they believe they are. In my men's ministry, we talk about posing. It's something that we've learned to put on because we can't manage our life or there's something so harsh that we went through that we have to find today, Halloween, right? So we put on a costume. Adam and Eve were the first costume wearers, if you think about that. After they sinned in the garden, they instantly hid. 
And it says they, they've knit you know, fig leaves together to hide their nakedness because they were ashamed of what they did. And they were ashamed to see God. And so they started to put on faces. They started to pretend to be somebody else. And we've all done that from, from that day to today. Well, the Pharisees were a type of opposer. They were trying to say, we know what's right, we know what's wrong, and we're gonna tell everybody else what to do. And, and it's, we have kind of the religious zealots today that are trying to tell everybody else. Um, this whole uh, Kane West came out with a Jesus album, and I'm kind of sitting back watching everybody argue about it. No one knows his heart, but everybody has an opinion. And so you have zealots that come out, and, and all, you pick a topic today and there is a zealot that's showing up to tell you what's right. And, uh, and Jesus was facing off with these people. But we do the same thing, not maybe we aren't zealots, but when we put on a mask, when we try to be someone we're not. And it's so hard to keep that up. One of the worst things I see with men and women is that they pose long enough that they start to believe the pose. And you don't even know you're pretending anymore. And that's a sad place to be, and I love seeing when that falls off, when Christ comes and says, this is who you are. This is the thing that the world told you you are is not true. What you've said you are is not true. Let me show you who the real you is. I love that because freedom comes in. And you get to see the image of God that you reflect as women. And as men, they get to see who God says he is through their own identity. I love that. The next part is uh, courage in living as children of God. Oh, that video that we just watched, um, that's hard. I, I hate that that happens in the world, that kids don't have parents that maybe there's, a, there's a, something that comes into their life and disruption. Sabrina and I had a lot of, um, a lot of pain in our childhood from our, our parents' uh, marriage falling apart. We've had a lot of fallout in a lot of our family members. We've had to step in and help out um, like those foster parents were doing. And I hate that that exists. But the truth is we are children of God. No matter what has happened to us in the past, no matter what our stories are, what wounds might have happened to us, maybe um, parentlessness, fatherlessness. Fatherlessness is rampant today. I think it's one of the biggest reasons our world is in such chaos is because of the lack of a father in a family. Um, but the good news is that we have a father that loves us way more than any earthly father ever could. Now our parents, we're, we're parents, we're not perfect. We're all gonna do things that, that uh, later on in life we're gonna realize like maybe that wasn't the right choice. We're doing the best we can, but we have a perfect father. I just wrapped up a camp for men that uh, was called Fathered by God. And it was, it's so cool because, and I was able to speak about this at our church, and it's a, it was a men's topic but I unpacked this topic of father being fathered by God for women too at our church. And my wife came up and gave testimony about how God had come back into her life and filled some of the gaps that she had lost growing up. From not, her father and mother both died when she was 24. And it was so precious to watch people in the audience 
start to see that it was possible for God, Father God, to come back in and fill in the gaps in our lives, no matter what age we are. And so in this idea that our camp was based around is you had stages of masculinity, but you also have stages of femininity, where something happens in our lives that is on purpose, because we all have to be initiated and grow up. And you see that with your children. There's things they need to learn. There's things they need to go through. And there's lessons, there's, there's tests, and there's things so they, they can be mature adults. Now, we all look, think, okay, mature adult, what does, that, what does that look like today? The truth is that God can mature us all. And a big piece of that is learning that we are children of God. God knows exactly who we are. We are made in his image. And we have an identity. And a big piece of the chaos today is the, is the identity crisis that we are in. No one knows who they are. They're all looking for to be, have an identity. You pick it. I think Halloween's popular because we can pick who we are. But if you look at this, I think the world is, an is in an identity crisis because we don't know who God is. And if we don't know who God is, and we're supposed to be his image bearers, we won't know who we are. And so if we work backwards and we get to know our Father God, and we get to understand how he made us, I think that identity crisis can go away. Um, the next part, and I wanted to read this. So this is, uh, this is Luke 12, 8, if you want to follow along with me. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man also will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who desires me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. This section of Luke 12 is, is so cool because it's, it's juxt, juxtap I can't say the word. You have to edit that out of the podcast. That's um, two pieces, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the new Adam. So we had Adam who messed it up, right? And it's kind of a bummer, but we all have imparted sin, meaning that the minute we're born, we were in sin. But Jesus came to change that for all of us, to set a new example. And the really cool part about the gospel and the hope of the gospel is that we get to live Jesus's life. It was an exception what the things that Jesus did. It wasn't an exception how he interacted with men, with women, with brothers and sisters, how he challenged the Pharisees of his day, how he spoke truth. Those are all things that you and I get to do. If we grow up in Christ, if we mature in Christ, if we walk alongside him, everything he said he did, he said we will do greater things. And so this example of Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit. And so I am in the belief that the Holy Spirit is alive and well today, that he speaks just like he did in the Bible. Like I said, it's not a book, a book of exceptions. It's a book of examples. 
And I look at that and I look at these stories of hearing God's voice and I believe that's available for us today. It's like Sabrina's a counselor. You go to a counselor and you tell your story and you unpack maybe a hardship you've been through. The really cool part is, yes, those counselors are so needed. We need another human being sometime to express and to tell our stories, to work through hardships and understand, maybe get some clarity about something that happened to us. But the really cool thing is we have the Holy Spirit, the counselor, the comforter, available to us 24-7. I forget that all the time. I ended up in a panic about something that is, uh, hit my plate. And I'm like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I stop and, you know, someone like Sabrina or my friends or someone will say, pray. Like, all right, I get to pray. And the cool part is, is my, my spirit calms. And sometimes I'll hear something, not, usually, not audibly, but, or I'll, I'll find a verse. I can't tell you how much God spoke to me through getting ready for this, just reading through Luke 12. And it says in John 14, 26, Jesus explains the importance of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about, I'm going to leave. But this thing, this thing, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter is going to be, is a gift from God. It's going to come and he's going to remind you of the things I said. Isn't that cool? Like, we'll forget. I forget the gospel almost daily. I have to read the gospel daily because I forget it daily. But the really neat part is I have the Holy Spirit that's going to remind me of the things that Jesus said. And in this last part, think about the conflicts we're in today. Um, Kim, I think about you and the things that you have to face daily because of the thing that God's put on your heart. And you think, like, how could I possibly have anything to say against people who are claiming? Think of the things that, God, that people are claiming about God or that this doesn't, isn't true anymore, or you name it. People are, are, are trying to tear apart our faith. And you think, like, there's nothing I could say that can make a difference. Well, the truth is, if you're put on trial or you put in a place that you're supposed to speak, he promises, Jesus says right here, you'll have someone teach you, and you'll have someone who will help you defend yourself. That's really, really cool. We have, like, accounts, like, of, like, a lawyer, you know, lawyers are supposed to tell you exactly what to say and not say and those kind of things. But you've got this amazing comforter and guide who can speak to you in every moment. And even in those times of trial. The next part, the Jesus unpacks is uh, storing treasures up in heaven. Uh, I really, so this part and the next part, so this, I'll just read a little brief piece here. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell, me, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of the rich man produced plentiful. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? for I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to myself, I like this, that he talks to his soul. Soul, you have, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? 
so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This idea of, and it, you don't, it doesn't have to be riches, it can be relationships. We can choose to be people pleasers. We can choose to overextend ourselves. We can choose all the wrong things. And what happens is, I love this uh, line from the Lord of the Rings, Bilbo the Hobbit says, he feels like uh, two little breads, or two little butter spread, spread over too much bread. I think that's our lives today. We say yes to so many things. And, and I think we do that because we want, we have, there's a treasure in relationship. We want people to know that we show up when we know that we, if we do something, then that person's gonna think well of us. What will they say if I say no? Um, but the truth of the matter is we only have so much resources, whether it's money or time or health. I think our health is at, is at a crisis because we're all just too tired, we're all too spent. And right now, I mean, your, your kids need you. I mean, you, <laughs> there's no doubt of that. And so that's kind of like that structure of things. We look at that, that idea of God and, and, and our spouse and then our children and then everything else. And, and it's so difficult because I think the world is requiring so much of us that sometimes it's hard to say no to those other things. And so we suffer, I know I do, in my family. It's like I constantly have to keep those things aligned and, and a lot of times I'm not able to. The next one is live day to day in God's care. And he said to the, his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more value are you than these birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of life? If then you are not able to do as small as a thing is that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O little of faith? And he goes on, and, and, and it's just these comforting words, using words like little flock. Like you have this picture of you know, Jesus is speaking for the Father, and, and this, like, everything will be provided of you. And, and it talks about the money bags in heaven, treasures in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moths destroy. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. A little story, my friend, and you probably have heard about her, Callie Lucart. Uh, she was a friend of ours, and she goes to West Hills Church, and, um, or uh, uh, Lamet Church, I can't remember which one. Anyway, her dad's in the ministry with me, and she was in a horrible car accident exactly a year ago, um, October 18th. Uh, she was about to graduate from Beaumont University, promising you know, future going into accounting and business. Beautiful girl, one of the most beautiful girls I've ever seen. Just, and she just had this light of Christ on her, and she still does. Well, she's paralyzed today. 
and she went, she's been through the most excruciating pain for a whole year. I still believe God's going to get her out of that wheelchair, but she's paralyzed from here down. She gave her testimony just a short uh, couple weeks ago, and maybe I'll, maybe I'll share the link so you guys could see it. But in that testimony, she talked about this section of Luke 12. And she was, she was recounting how she ended up having to have surgery to take all the metal back out of her body. It was a pile, a huge pile of metal. I couldn't believe how, how many pieces were in her. But they had took it out, and then in the midst of doing that, they ended up, they accidentally broke her collarbone. So here she has like injury upon injury, and she's just like, Lord, I, I don't even know how to pray. I don't even know how to talk to you. And she talks about how many, how many people are giving her advice. And they're like, you know, pray this way, don't pray that way, you know, pray unceasingly. And she's like, I don't even know how to talk to you anymore. And so the Lord led her to open up that, that passage. And she's reading through it and she gets to the part about, um, about the body. And she's like laughing under her breath, body, like, yeah, okay. What do you have to say about my body that doesn't move? And she goes on and on and she gets to this part about um, being in the day, worrying about what her needs are for the day. And God spoke to her. She said it was almost audible. And she'd never heard God speak before. And her dad talks, her dad, her dad teaches people how to hear God's voice. And she was frustrated. I'd never heard his voice. It was in that moment that God spoke to her. And it was through Luke 12, um, 22 through 28. And it changed her whole perspective. And she was able in that moment to stop thinking about the future, about, am I going to be married? Am I going to be able to walk? Am I going to be able to take care of myself? Am I going to be able to recover from this last surgery? And God gave her the peace that everything that she needs is in that moment and in that day and not to worry about tomorrow. So there's more in this, but I don't want to layer you with more. I want to have exactly for you what God has as a prescription of how you can flourish in this age. And there's, this, there's a couple last pieces in, in Luke 12, and Jesus talks about readying ourselves, always having that, that light you know, on late at night, waiting for Jesus' return. I love that because he's like, you know, keep your heart alive in the midst of it. Stay wholehearted as you wait for me. And then uh, Luke 49, it goes into not being surprised by the conflict or division of the day. If he's talking about the division and conflict of their day and then also what was to come, and he talks about there will be divided, they will be divided, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. It goes on and on. Doesn't that sound like today? We're in so much conflict. But Jesus says, don't lose heart. He says, this is the situation. And this is how it's going to be. And it could, it is going to get worse. It's not going to, could get worse. It's going to get worse. But he, he teaches us that because of the Father's voice, because of the Holy Spirit's comfort, that we can get through it. And the last part, he talks about, be aware of hard times. 
Be aware of the times. Know how to interpret the times. He says, you can tell what kind of weather is going to happen. The south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites. It's kind of harsh, but you hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? And I, I, that's a challenge to me, because I don't want to know the present time. I don't want to read the news. I don't want to keep up on how many genders there are today, that the, all the experts say there are. But there's a piece of that. I have to know the time to be able to minister to the people around me. I have to know the time to answer the hard questions. My son, August, who's going to Willamette University, strong Christian, and in probably the most secular school you can find today outside of Berkeley, he's coming home. Luckily, he's staying at home this freshman year. But he has question after question after question. But if I don't know the times, and I don't know the word, I don't have the answers for him. And sometimes I don't have the answers, and we go figure them out together. But we have to know the times. And the last piece of this is dealing with our strongholds. Uh, a year ago this month, we, our, our whole team wrote, um, we usually do material based off of John Eldridge's book, Wild at Heart or one of his other books just because we're tied closely to his ministry. And this time we decided to do a whole camp on strongholds. How to break them, how to conquer these with Christ, and how to have freedom, how to flourish. And it was so fun. And it was so exciting. And we saw so many strongholds fall off men right and left. And when a strong, all a stronghold is is a, is a mindset. And it's a mindset as a stronghold. It's a mindset that is opposite of Christ's mindset. So if you think of a situation and how Christ would act, think of your own life and how you act. And if it's different, you can backtrack and you can find a stronghold. And so we did this, this exercise. And it was, uh, can you think of some a reaction you had, maybe in a conversation or a conflict, and you did something you didn't want to do, right? Everybody can think of something like that, whether it's an argument or maybe parenting situation. You can usually go, what was causing me to do that? And so what we did with the men is we, we would bring a topic of a, and, and what the world usually does is they take um, symptoms, addictions, things that we do, and they say, well, those are strongholds. Well, what happens? is you go after, it's like whack-a-mole with addictions, and you're trying to stop an addiction. It doesn't work. It's just going to pop up someplace else. So what we did is we talked about, okay, under those addictions, no matter what it is, alcoholism, anything of, those, of that nature, you look underneath the hood, and you say, okay, what's really going on here? And uh, recently, uh, uh, we were, my wife and I are listening to this priest talk about the seven deadly sins not a very popular topic these days. I think it should be. But the seven deadly sins, he described it, he says the way the Catholic Church sees it is that it's a pyramid. And sex addictions and alcohols, all these, like, like the lust and the things, are at the tip of it. And actually, they were like, you know what? We're not, we're not, we kind of like look at those as okay, they're there. But we really go down to the base of the pyramid and that's, that's envy and that's wrath, and that's these, these deeper, bigger sins that basically, if you take care of these down here, a lot of these go away. 
And so as we started to work through these strongholds and men started to realize, okay, that's why I do, what I, I do that is because of this. And they started to conquer those strongholds one after the next. Freedom came. And, and I think like my own life, like binging on Netflix, eating the cookie or anything else like I can find if I'm in a tough spot. As I start to say, as I start to choose Christ instead of those other things and he starts to show me, okay, this situation is because you, this happened in your past. And I go deal with that, all the other things start to fall off. And it was a really cool experience. And I, so he talks about at the very end, he says, um, uh, in the very last part of this, he gives that hope that we can have, we can be free. We can be free of the strongholds that we struggle with. Um, but I want to leave you with this idea of asking God what you need. I'm not going to tell you what you need because I would pee again. I would be layering another thing, another to-do on your list, and you don't need that. So I would say let's approach God and let's, let's ask God what we need. Um, we know we need to become ourselves. We know we need to be courageous and live as children of God. We know we need to acknowledge Jesus. We need to acknowledge that the Holy Spirit exists and is promised as our helper. We know that we need to store our treasures up in heaven instead of earth. We need to live day by day in God's care. We need to be ready and alert in our current times. We can't be surprised by the conflict and division around us. And we need to be aware of the times that we're in. And we need to work at, at breaking these strongholds. But the really cool part is, is that God knows exactly what you need to approach that. And that could be, that could be hearing his voice. That could be starting to, to practice the prophetic, asking others to pray for you and to intercede for you. That could be healing, encountering the real, living, healing Jesus in your life and asking for him to heal you. The Bible's full of examples of God healing someone instantly. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it takes the wisdom of scripture. Sometimes it takes the intervention of others, a counselor, someone to hear our story and to help us walk through that. There's experiences. We've all been to maybe a concert or, or had a, uh, God gave us a song to listen to on the, on the, in our cars and the tears come and healing happens in that encountering with him. There's the spiritual disciplines and the practices, fasting and uh, simplicity in our lives and all those different disciplines. I talked about that last year. But God knows exactly what you need today. And he knows that it's not going to be too much and he knows that it's going to help. So with that, I want to just, I want to close in a prayer, and uh, that'll be it. So Father God, I thank you so much for every woman here. I, I thank you for your Holy Spirit and all you promised in the Holy Spirit as a comforter, as a counselor, as a guide. We feel so there's some moments we feel so hopeless and we feel alone, but you have promised that we are not alone. So Holy Spirit, I just pray that um, as we ask, I pray that each person here hears something. If not even in the moment, that maybe tonight, uh, this weekend, or in the coming weeks. 
Father, we come to you fatherless. And we, we accept you as our Father, as our healer. You are the doctor. You know exactly our pains. You know the secret pains that we have that maybe we haven't shared with anybody. Or even the unknown pains that we don't even know what's wrong with us. But you know. So Holy Spirit, I just, I ask for you to reveal. What do you want us to do? What do you want us to read? What do you want us to stop doing so that we can start doing? Lord, we, we give you full permission in our lives. And we know that you will speak. We thank you so much. Please take care of every heart here today. May they know you in a deeper way, more than they've ever known before. In your name, amen.